Hello, I'm Rob Thomas with Club Resort Business, and welcome to another episode of Club Resort Talks. Today's episode is sponsored by Peacock & Lewis, a premier club amenities design firm with a rich history of designing award-winning clubs of distinction. From the first clubhouse in 1961, the team has built an impressive record of achievement in private club master planning, architecture, and interior design. Learn more at PeacockAndLewis.com. Now, let's get to Phil Cairn, our senior editor. Phil, how you doing? I'm doing well, Rob. How are you? Fantastic. No complaints. What do you, what have you been seeing in the news? A lot of stuff going on. There has been. It's been pretty busy this past week. I should, I'm should. i going to start it off with a, a fun story uh, that we had this week uh, out in the Pacific Northwest at Alderbrook Golf and Yacht Club in Union, Washington. We had not one, not two, but three golfers got a hole in one on the same hole on the same afternoon, which was pretty amazing. Uh, Richard Ives, Randy Shelton, Kieran Collins all uh, recorded a hole in one on the sixth hole at the club. I look, actually was just looking that up before we came on. Uh, depending on which tee they're using, the hole is anywhere from uh, 153 to 176 yards, par three. Um, the head pro there at the club said the odds of that happening in one afternoon, he looked it up, was... 27 trillion to one. I'll take his word for it. That sounds probably about right. That's pretty amazing. I've, I'm, I guess I've probably heard stories of two people getting a hole in one on the same hole, same day, but three is uh, a very unique uh, event for sure. 27 trillion to one. I'll tell you what, uh, I mean, that's no joke. 150 plus yards to 170 plus. Yes. Uh, it's not like it's a hundred yards with a funnel going into the hole. I mean, that was, that's pretty impressive. Well, I'd like to hear from the, uh, superintendent about that pin placement has that you know traditionally been a, a hot spot for aces or is just like a some random out of the out of the blue 27 to mil, 27 trillion to one Oof. yeah i know that's actually it would be interesting to know whether that's a common hole for them to have a, a hole in one on which which led me a thought rob have you ever had a hole in one i've not no i, I spent there was a, a three-week period where I, I stopped within two inches of the cup three separate times really uh, so close so I just figured one of those was going to fall in I've been playing for 35 years now no aces so how about you not me I've probably come I'm trying I was trying to think about that I, I've certainly come within a few feet I don't think I've been I've not been less than a foot from the, from the cup I've certainly been within within five feet perhaps four feet somewhere in there but speaking of um speaking of uh, somebody related to me though my father actually did get a hole in one and i was recalling as before we came on here i'm pretty sure this summer is the 40th anniversary of it i think dad got the the hole in one on the country club i grew up at it's in the eighth hole <laughs> speaking of short distances it is if i recall right it's 90 yards so you have you know hit kind of like a I don't know, three quarters of a wedge or something up to it. And actually I missed it. I didn't play golf. That was probably one of the few days I didn't play golf with him. It was just him and my mom went out and played and yep. He got the, the hole in one. I'm pretty sure it was 1983. So this congratulations, Dr. Karen. Yes. How about that? 40 years. He doesn't even, honestly, dad doesn't even play anymore. I don't even realize he probably hasn't played in a decade. Um, and honestly, hats off to him he mostly played golf because it was something to do with his son who did yeah. want to play golf. 
12, right? So that's fantastic. Yeah, one has the hole in one on me. I might be, a, I might have been the better player when we were playing most of the time, but he's got the hole in one and I do not. Yeah. So, Ooh, that's all. That brings an interesting debate uh, online. It's always, always here. Uh, if you get a, an ace on a par three course, does yes. that count? Does that count as a hole in one? I mean, if it's a hole in one, but right. you get nine shots at it or 18 shots at it, does that count as opposed to a traditional 18 hole golf course where you get maybe four shots? Right, right. And indeed, as I've, I've I don't know if I've mentioned on the podcast, but I think you know that that course I grew up at was a, a, a par three golf course. Actually, there was one par four, but it was still kind of considered a what he called executive par three course kind of thing. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving your dad credit. A hole in one's a hole in one to me. That's what I think too. Certainly. Yep. Now maybe if you play the same hole 100 times in a day as some yeah. kind of a stunt and you get an ace, maybe that doesn't count. I don't know. Yes. But, but you know, right. it's still pretty hard to do. But my dad wouldn't have been like that. You play the hole once and you know, you move on to the next hole and, and all that. He certainly wouldn't have tried a, a stunt. <laughs> <laughs> good for him. Yeah. Good stuff. But anyways, other other news this week, you know, I was thinking too, the nice thing is I've noticed is I've noticing a lot of work being done at clubs, old clubs that were shut down or courses that were shut down or reopening again. Um, it's nice because I feel like we're, we're knock on wood here. I'm hoping we're in a sort of a post-COVID phase here. We were in, you know, COVID, as we know, kind of shut down the world and uh shut down everything and in our world of course that meant not a whole lot was happening with clubs and golf courses but as i noticed detroit golf club um they finished some restorations last month and just in time for they are now hosting the rocket mortgage classic uh this weekend actually as we're as we're recording here uh second phase of the project just finished last month it was 4.3 million dollars it's a renovated dining area on the second floor of the clubhouse also a new women's locker room. That's a follow-up then to the first phase was in 2019, $4.5 million. New pro shop, redesigned main dining room, patio overhaul and facade improvements. So, and it's also that story we, I'm mentioning, talked about how business has really taken off at the club um, since the club started hosting Rocket Mortgage Classic. Uh, they've seen a boost in revenue, increase in members. Um, great to see. At the same time though, that story was also noting, it was kind of an interesting story because it's also mentioning they had some struggles, had the storm knock down some trees. And then unfortunately we had, they also unfortunately had some vandalism at their course, um, which actually resulted in the course officials deciding to, to uh, resod that area as well. But overall, great news for them coming, uh, coming out of things and uh, hosting the Rocket Mortgage Classic again too. Yeah, you know, golf was one of the few things uh, that was first allowed to take place during COVID as we were in the midst of it. Uh, and a lot of courses and clubs, private clubs have benefited from that. And we're seeing the, the fruits of all those extra golfers right now with the capital expenditures. It's, um, it's good news. And uh, hopefully the, uh, the level of play continues to um, at least maintain and not start slipping again as it was five years ago. Right, right. And indeed, when I was mentioning about COVID, I was talking more about, well, and you said that, the, the big work being done at courses and everything. Uh, as we know, yes, play itself was doing quite well because it was one of the early <laughs> early activities that people could continue doing or start up doing uh, during the pandemic. 
Um, the other one, a new facility is being constructed in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Mapleton Golf Club. And I guess there was a big step this week on that. Uh, the city council in Sioux Falls and the county commission uh, voted to rezone 210 acres of land to allow for construction of the club. Um, work could start as soon as later this year or spring of 2024. Um, as I understand it, the, obviously golf is going to be the main amenity at the club. Spaces will also feature some lodging as well as a restaurant and bar. So great seeing all this news uh, about clubs, you know, getting some big projects done. And from what I've been able to tell too, it seems like we're, we're not really even concentrated in one part of the country. I've seen news throughout Northeast, South, out West, Midwest, Pacific, Northwest, it seems to be everywhere, which is good to see. Yeah, fantastic. It's nationwide and good for Sioux Falls. I know. How about that? So I have an old uh, friend I grew up with who lives in South Dakota. Maybe he'll, he can visit that place. I believe he lives fairly close to Sioux Falls, too, if I'm not mistaken. So. Give you a good excuse to go visit the, uh, the club and your friend. That's right. How about that? Um, I'll tell you what. One, one thing, one bit of news that I had saw, seen is uh, Capstone Hospitality recently did a uh, secret shopper. Uh, case study and which they went to or they contacted 100 different private clubs ranging over from $2,500 initiation fee to $120,000 initiation fee. So, I mean, high end, uh, entry level, whatever. And uh, they they were looking for um, membership information and they found some really interesting stats. I think it was uh, 26% of the clubs they reached out to didn't even respond, which is shocking. Uh, this was all done by email or by the, the club's uh, online um, information form. So it was right there. Uh, a good portion of them responded within two hours, which is which is ideal. Uh, I think 23% within two to six hour window and 9.5% uh, took about one to three days. Um, that's that's a lot in this society of, of quick, quick, quick. And uh, people want information and they want it quickly. Uh, only 8.1% made an effort to reach out to Capstone. And they did under the guise of secret shopper, not, hey, this is Capstone Hospitality. Mm -hmm. um, under the guise of being a secret shopper and a, a potential member, only 8.1% reached back out to them after the initial contact. Meaning, mm -hmm. hey, you know, these are our, our fees, you know, our monthly fees. Here's our, our initiation fee. Uh, and then that was it. So 92% of the clubs just kind of let it go after that point and put the ball in the secret shoppers court. And of course that, you know, they're not going to reach back out. So a bit shocking. Mm -hmm. uh, they said that the, we're getting back to the levels of like four years ago, as far as membership leads go. Um, so it's not as, as exciting as it was the last two, three years with uh, COVID um, memberships are, are harder to come by. Or, or leads are harder to come by and uh capstone found that these clubs at least these hundred clubs that they reached out to are not necessarily doing a great job of um following up on those leads so um i don't know maybe that's something they had they had some um in the article it's on our website clubresortbusiness.com they have some tips to uh, maybe avoid this kind of stuff and uh, I, I encourage all clubs to read this, whether you are actively uh, following up on your leads or you fall into this 90% that kind of let it go by the wayside. So um, I don't know. 
good news and bad news, I suppose. There is some good news in the article. It's not all do- doom and gloom. Right, right. But yeah, that is, I agree. I agree with your word there. Shocking. It is shocking that so many clubs didn't uh, do any further follow-up after the initial contact. Because, I mean, really, I would think, I mean, in just in any type of business, that's what you want to do is to make sure you're continuing the uh, follow-up process with somebody who's interested in, you know, in doing business with you per se. So yeah. uh, seems like I, common I, sense. It is. Yeah. And I think it'd be great. People go to club and look at the tips offered there. Um, be helpful to the clubs. Wondering too, if um, it, it almost seems like kind of a good reminder for people as we are kind of, it seems like we're getting more back on track to, I hate to word the, use the word normalcy, but I'm not sure what the other word is. The back to normal, uh, especially compared to our last few years, uh, might be a good reminder to people just about, as you said, it is kind of common sense, if you will. But I know we've been in the last few years in sort of a weird haze of time of unusual things happening. So it might be easy to lose sight of kind of the normal process of doing business again. And now that there seems like, again, an opportunity to do that, uh, that the piece with a secret shopper piece would be a great one for uh, club leaders to take a look at. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, um, this is a good transition to our, uh, our guest today, uh, the Broken Sound Club and Boca Raton. I spoke with uh, general manager and COO Greg Devino. And back in May, if you remember the uh, issue, our cover feature, our club feature was on Broken Sound Club. And uh, they're doing a fantastic job with responding to their members and prospective members um there's a wait list which is uh you know a good thing to have and um but they just come out of a uh, 40 million dollar renovation so that's what greg and i talked about uh mostly that as far as um his club goes but also about what the future holds not only for uh broken sound club but what he sees in the industry say five years down the road 10 years down the road so um i look forward to sharing that interview with uh with y'all so just stay tuned Hello, I'm Rob Thomas with Club Resort Business, and today we're speaking with Greg Devino, General Manager, CEO, COO, I just talked to him and I botched it up, uh, Broken Sound Club in Boca Raton, Florida. Greg, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, everyone. Good to see you. Happy to be hey. here. Greg, it was nice to see you again. We, uh, I spent a little time with you uh, down at the club this spring, and uh, that article appeared in our May issue. Check it out on the uh, on the website, clubresortbusiness.com. Uh but please tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, it's a little bit more unique. Uh, you didn't necessarily come up. You, you're obviously a hospitality veteran, but you didn't come up through uh, the club ranks as uh, you know a lot of GMs do. You, uh... yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's definitely a unique story, and I, I actually uh, tell it during my orientation when I have my new onboarding sessions for our, our new employees that come aboard. But you know, I started out in finance. I was a finance major in college and worked for seven years as a CFA in New York City for a Fortune 100 company. And uh, after my seventh year, I, I said to myself, you know, is this my passion? And I took a big leap of faith and got into hospitality as a banquet manager. So I went from a financial analyst down to a banquet manager and moved from New York City to Florida. And from there was recruited, uh, that was my first club. It was the Boca Raton Resort and Club at the time, which is now the Boca Raton, fantastic property. And then I spent about 10 years with the Ritz-Carlton, a uh, global team with, with the Ritz-Carlton and Edition brand. And got to experience hotel openings and transitions, you know, a lot of resort, a lot of city properties. But my wife and I, we moved about 13 times over the about 10 years. So a lot of moving, a lot of uh, moving and shaking. And finally, you know, I thought about what I wanted to do. 
and you know came up to me to get down to uh, you know long term with the, with the family. And for the family, it was all about getting back to the club business. And I did that with a great first job as a COO at the Glenridge Country Club, Northern New Jersey, fantastic club, um, overlooked Manhattan skyline. So it was great that we didn't have to move the family. And shortly after that, I got a call from a, a good friend of mine and said, hey, would you want to think about moving down to Florida as a job I just saw open and take a look at it? So I had a look at it and uh, talked to a mentor or two of mine. They said, Greg, this job doesn't open up very often and you, you should certainly entertain it. And uh, we did. And you know, fantastic, uh, you know, onboarding experience and just understanding, you know, what this club is all about. And Broken Sound is, as you know, Rob, it's seeing it now come to life. It's a remarkable place to be. So we're here now about a year and a half and a um, lot going on in that first year. So big transition from hotels to clubs. But now I, I always talk and, you know, it's great to be in the club industry and I'm super proud to be here. What do you think you took? Well, I mean, I'm sure you took a lot of experiences from your time at the Ritz. Yeah. Uh, but what are some of the unique aspects that you've, you maybe you've, you've found at the Ritz that you then have taken into your role as a general manager at Broken Sound Club? Yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, for sure. Obviously, luxury services was one of the, the pillars of it. But I think when working with Ritz Carlton, in addition, one of my, you know, sports sets and skill sets there was uh, working with the NBA and NHL. So sports and entertainment were my two segments. So any of the teams that were playing, you know, if I was working in New York, whoever was playing the Knicks and Rangers, I'd be taking care of the opposing teams. So got to learn a lot about logistics and about, uh, you know, professional sports. And I think with that, you know, obviously we're now we're hosting the Timber Tech and, you know, planning that right now with the PGA, it, it goes hand in hand from what I used to do. So really looking at 20,000 people coming our way in November and really looking at tour logistics, food, beverage, setup, you know, it's exactly what I used to do at my old job. And just understanding how to move and shake people around and keep them entertained. And, and that's, uh, that's what I look forward to in November, but I think, you know, luxury service really sticks out in my mind and, you know, just really taking care of people. You know, the, the biggest difference I'd say that my members are, are here with me, right. They don't leave. So it's, it's now understanding that I have to take care of their preferences and meet their families and, you know, really get to know them. And that's been what I've been focused on this last year is getting to know my members. We have 3,400 members. I know when you were down here, Rob, you were, one thing you said was, how do you know everyone's name? You know, I think that was one thing that I learned from the Ritz-Carlton where you have to remember people's names and, you know, you, you tag them with something that you talk about and, you know, you assimilate with them and you make that lifelong connection. Making Mr. and Mrs. Smith uh, feel like they're LeBron James, I suppose, huh? That's right. <laughs> Terrific. Hey, uh, you talked about a lot going on and you mean a lot happened. We're talking about $40 million renovation. And uh, I mean, it's it's not stopped, obviously, but uh, we've gotten to a point now where we can take a breath, right? That's Talk right. about that $40 million renovation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you were down and we just had opened the doors, you know, I think it was the end of March. We opened up March 2nd. For those of you who don't know, South Florida, we, you know, our high season is in, is in uh, that month. So we opened up with a bang, you know, right from an opening party, right to 30 days of, you know, 300 plus events, plus two new restaurants, you know, plus membership that really hadn't had their clubhouse in a couple of years. So we had a lot in our hands, you know, getting through the the certifications and everything from the fire department to all the fun construction uh, things that us general managers go through. But once we opened the doors, you know, just really getting used to the building and how, do you, how does it work? You know, it took about 45 days or so. And then we finally got our breath for a little bit and you know, season dwindled down. But, uh, you know, I think the team did a fantastic job. We started to learn more about what the members wanted. You know, the two new restaurants, you have to really learn what, what menus work, what doesn't work. But I think what we learn now is really listening to our members. And we got some good feedback sessions, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? We had some really great nights, but some nights that we absolutely failed. And I think we learned a lot more 
want failures. And that's how we really curated our, our menus now. So our menus and, and services, I think, are nearly altered to now what the members are looking for. I'll tell you, I can attest to the beauty and the functionality of that clubhouse. Um, absolutely gorgeous. And uh, unfortunately, it was it was a hundred year storm when I was down there. So I couldn't really walk out on the golf courses. But uh, you talked about uh, the Timber Tech and um, how the old course, the old, old course has recently gone through a renovation as well. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, just at the same time as I, I got here, you know, the, the March 2nd uh, was my first day of work. And I actually met with Reese Jones out in that golf course and had had the pleasure of working on a project with Reese at Glenridge. So it was nice to see him in the sunnier weather. And he looked at me and said, young man, uh, I think you could take that suit off. You're on the golf course now. We're not in New Jersey anymore. And uh, I certainly now know what he meant because it was a lot of work this last year. Uh, we started, we broke ground on the golf course March 2nd and mobilized and we got the club uh, old course opened up on January 15th, but a full, full, you know, beautiful renovation project with Reese Jones. Um, he did a fantastic job really bringing the course back to its true life. And our members are just blown away by it. We are, um, you know, right now it's a summer, so it's quieter here. Not a lot of rounds out there, but, you know, the, the membership has been overwhelmingly happy about the project. You know, Reese living nearby, it is a pleasure to have him and Bryce Swanson, who I think is a wizard with the things that he does in that golf course, working with Reese. Um, those two guys just, you know, it, I, always, I always say it to them, you know, it was a second education for me because, you know, coming from hotels, not knowing too much about agronomy, but by golly, I had the best uh, two leaders to teach me and, and guide me along the way, along with our team here at the club that can help build the course. But we're happy. We're excited. The PGA Agronomist was just here this week. Um, Blake said to, to our agronomy team that, you know, they're really ex excited about the course. The growing's going well. And we're, um, you know, a couple months out. So we're really just getting ready. Um, working with Ken Kennerly, who's a legend, obviously, as you know, in the golf world from the Honda Classic. And he's our tour director this year and really running the point. So we're excited to get that going and um, really great cause here for the city of Boca. That's terrific. I uh, When I got back, I had taken a picture of the clubhouse and uh, I, I tweeted it out to Mark Kalkovecchia, who was a past champion. And yeah. he knew that right away. He knew he knew where I was where I was at. Yeah. Fantastic. So hey, um, a lot lots taken place. And you want to catch your breath a little bit, but there's more coming. What 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 is next in line at Broken Sound Club? You know, right now we're we're in the budget process. So right now in the summer down here, we're kind of looking at our capital reserve, and uh, we we just worked worked forward with uh, club benchmarking, and we're able to get a capital reserve study going. So we're really looking at the property. You know, those of you who don't know, we are a uh, large property, one of the largest in the country, by the way. We have uh, 1,200 acres, so there's a lot of land. Um, but believe it or not, we don't have much land to build on. So there's not much more that we need to do. Um, we're really looking at a couple of projects, a parking project here at the club um, with a lot of new members coming in. You know, now that the, the club's about to turn 35 in November, we have a lot more needs from feasibility. So looking at that as far as traffic studies, getting members to and from safely. So looking at parking, we're looking at, of course, you know, our tennis community is exploding with great program there. So just got some new pickleball courts, looking at how to maximize those spaces and look at certain areas there, but our spa salon, you know, just really summer projects right now. We're kind of, um, we want to give our members a break. You know, our members have been through, you know, a couple of years of, as you saw, a lot of projects. So we are kind of excited to get them in our spaces, get ready for the higher season. And we just found out, you know, it's um, our, our members are really full time. You know, we have a lot more members now playing golf in the summer, even though it's hot, but um, really just getting ourselves ready for the next five year, being strategic with it. Just thinking about um, how can we maximize our spaces and, you know, get to know our, our new building. Yeah, I don't blame them. That's a beautiful course, beautiful property, whether it's uh, high season or low season. Uh, 
get out there and play some golf, right? It's 97 degrees today. You'd mentioned is it's hot. I'm sure you had some golfers out there on the golf course. Yeah, we did. You know, it's funny. I, I had a, I had a, a budget meeting earlier that one of my members said to me, Greg, I've never seen you without a suit. on." I said, well, golf course is closed for maintenance today. Restaurants closed. We're doing maintenance in there. It's a summer, but we have our other golf course going. It still has a full tee sheet in the morning. So it's uh, it never stops. You know, it's golf country. Yeah. Bizarre, bizarre. Hey, let's get your crystal ball out for this question. Um, we're talking about the industry as a whole, yep. five years, 10 years. What do you see? Obviously COVID was, it hit us all hard, uh, but it was, a, it was a bit of a boost for uh, the golf industry, at least. Uh, what are you seeing five years down the road, 10 years down the road for us as a whole? Yeah. You know, I was just talking to my, my old club, my, my old co-president and uh, the GM who took over my last role at Grant Glenridge. And they're, they're a very different club than us. They're a city club. So they're right outside of Manhattan and I asked them, how's their summer going? And they're exploding, you know, even, you know, three years after COVID, they are, you know, taking on a lot of new families. So they have a lot of family programming going. So that from a golf club standpoint, I think they're doing really well. That model in a lot of our cities, we're seeing just talking to the general managers out there. Membership is still up, which is great for our, for our clubs. And I think from us residential clubs down here in Florida, we're seeing a, a lot of younger demographic moving in. You know, we have a lot of families here that are coming down from New York, New Jersey, like myself. I'm a you know 41 year old dad of three. And you know, we found it that be a lot better than living in Manhattan. You know, we were um, looking for a better school system for our kids. And I think a lot of our members are in the same boat. And a lot of the members that we have here at Broken Sound, they're, um, I would say, between 50 and 59 moving down. And a lot of them still work. So we're trying to find out what kind of nighttime programming works now. So a lot more just not just sports, you know, looking at music and programming and really activating the club in different ways. You know, so that, I think that is now making our clubs unique. And I think our industry as a whole you know, just now with um, so much, you know, out there on the internet and, you know, all the stuff that, that you see out there with the tour going on, I think a lot of people get engaged with it. And I really, really enjoy the fact that, you know, companies like Top Golf and Top Stroke are making golf more mainstream, you know, and I think that's something that, you know, we see a lot more people with interest coming to our, our website. Um, Pickleball has now exploded across the country, as, as everyone knows, but that's another area we're noticing new members who are not golfers they're kind of getting into pickleball and tennis and really, you know, integrating into our communities that way. So I think five-year plan, you know, I'm really optimistic about this. I think a lot of people are enjoying the safety net and the sense of community, uh, especially with the residential clubs where you have a lot more than just golf and tennis and pool, where you're, you know, you're really finding new friends and families and, and being able to celebrate that and that nice, uh, nice place to eat as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what we, uh, if it's taught us one thing, uh, a lot of people can work from anywhere. So why not work? someplace where it's beautiful it's uh it's luxurious it's florida right i mean exactly. it's a great place to hang your hat yeah no certainly you know it's funny i had a, a member that uh, just came back for a family party so she flew down and she said greg i'm up in the hamptons for the summer but she goes it's just my paradise you know and i think that's just how you sum it up you know a lot of people from here they do head up north but they come back down we, we're getting a lot of members already asking us where's the where's the programming list for next year what's coming down the pipeline it's not even the fourth of july yet so you know, this this 4th of July, just talking about numbers here, you know, we're looking at 650 people for our barbecue. You know, that's a large number for, you know, for us on a on a Tuesday, right? But it's um, it's nice to see that many people are here in Florida full year round. So it's it's good to see that kind of numbers when just five years ago before COVID, you know, you'd have 150 people or so. Now it's, you know, it's nearly quadrupled. So it's great to see that. That's fantastic. I love sharing success stories. And that certainly is is one. Uh, Greg, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Great. Thanks, Rob. Looking forward to it.